Debo going on his own. He gets the try. The Red 78. We're both monster people. Every gets over the line. Try from Munster. Nobody knows Munster rugby better. Hello and welcome along. I'm Alan Quinlan and you're listening to episode 43 of the Red 78 here on the Rugby Channel. And with me as always is my partner in crime, Neve Briggs. You're very welcome, Neve. Uh, not a great weekend again. We spoke last week about it being a must-win for Munster and that uh, Ulster could afford to lose one. But unfortunately, from a Munster point of view, they didn't get the win. They didn't get the points that they badly needed. And it's the fifth loss in, in seven games. Um, we'll go through you know, those seven games a little bit more in detail. But it's another hard one to take for Munster and uh, a difficult weekend. Disappointment, lots of injuries, lots of young players getting exposed. And um, as ever, we want to hear from the fans. We want to hear what the people who go to the match, the people who are watching the Munster fans I put out a tweet yesterday and uh, there's a big reaction again. So uh, you're going to read out some of the tweets and the feelings of the fans uh, after the weekend. Yeah, look, I think it was uh, disappointing, I think, at times during that game the other day. But like it seems to be the theme, we're only speaking about it off air, that we seem to be getting this, feel like we're saying the same messages over and over again in relation to loads of green shoots. But it's just taking time to come together. Um, I think, as you say, there was loads of tweets and response. And Joe Cashman says, forgetting the result, it was great to see younger lads getting games like this and exposure. It will stand to us in the long run. Crowley will take the 10 shirt for his own the way he's going. Well, that's good stuff about Crowley. Dave, missing the bulk power and pack due to injuries. Crowley is our 10. Lineout needs work. Handling rock protection, still an issue. Uh, and Fitzgerald, Hopefully some green shoots, but still worries about how we're going to build up the pack. I think Munster should refuse to have Frank Murphy as ref. Eye contact, choking, two spear tackles ignored, really bad for the sport. Kevin Norris, Frank Murphy gets a lot of stick for his decisions, but he cannot be blamed for the lineup misfiring, the decision, indecision and the knock-ons. Joe, referee and TMO are poor. Crowley, Hodnett, Dogbo, Barron, all excellent. Great to see Condellan and Ryan back too. Lineout needs urgent attention. Maldives, very underpowered with players out. Ireland need a run of wind at this stage, starting with Connacht. I think that's kind I of been... Just, yeah. just, just before you go on, I think um, there was a lot um, spoken about Frank Murphy and uh, probably a frustration, the referee on Saturday night. Um, having watched the game back, um, obviously watching it live and then watching it back, I think there's some inconsistencies. There's a few decisions like every referee may get wrong. I think when you're at home, they get um, the Munster fans are probably hard on some of his calls. Um, but one of your tweeters there that is speaking saying, you can't blame Frank Murphy for uh, the loss and the, the, the poor execution at times, the line-up malfunction. And that's a very important point. I think when I look back at the game, and to be fair to Frank, he's very strict, he's vocal, he's a very good referee. I sense that the reaction from Munster fans was well over the top. In my opinion, it's well over the top. There were some decisions, yes, that you could argue, um, but the referee wasn't the reason why Munster lost the game the other day. I think we, we'll talk about that in a minute, and I'm interested to get your opinion. But um, some of Munster's play was was poor and 
not good enough again. And I think, uh, you look, you can talk about harsh lessons and getting exposed in young players, but some of the, the execution, particularly a couple of lineouts there that were really, really badly executed. And they can be vital. One last lineout in a game can cost you a game. So it's, 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 it's an interesting one because there was a lot said about the referee. I think some yeah. of it is a little bit too much, a little bit unfair. I think we'll we'll debate the decisions in a few minutes. There was a couple of big decisions yeah. in the game. But yeah. anyway, you have more yeah. tweets. Uh, Tom Lundergan tweets in a bit, says, well, lads, Lee said about the first half, the better. Second half, Farmer, fighting spirit from the lads. Took Goldman's Eves to break the line. We were only the width of a post away from the win. I can't believe that seatbelt on Zeeves at the end was not seen, not looked at, ignored. Jason Tuig, 55 players used so far this season. That can't be helping results, but it's aiding player development. Was at the game, we had the hard part well, keeping Ulster to 12-point lead into a stiff wind, but couldn't complete the task. Inexperience is the main issue right now. Just on that point, Neve, 55 players. It's pretty unprecedented after seven games for, mm. for any side to use that many players. Now, people can correct us if we're wrong. And I know Leinster, to be fair to them, a lot of the time get up around that number or possibly even more throughout the season because they have so many internationals away. Um, but that's an incredible amount of players, yeah. 55 players. It shows that you're not just going down to second, third, but you're down to fourth, fifth choice, sixth choice in some positions. And yeah. the biggest glaring issue at the moment and, and at the weekend was the second row position. Like, who would have thought, who knew, like, to be fair, you and I knew, but I mean disrespectfully to people, who who knew very much about Edwin and Dogbo before the season started? Mm. Not many people. There's friends of mine in Tipperary and your rugby people, when he kind of came on the scene there to start the season, played a few games. Where's this guy come from? Where's he from? Who's he played with before? Um, so the, the depth chart is way down. And now on Saturday night, Dogbo kind of was 50-50 about making that game but yeah. like, he was a he was a big player to, they needed him for that game Owen O'Connor played in the second row with him as well we haven't seen him play I think the Wasps was the last time he was involved so it's very it's very telling the amount of players that they have used and I think look we've got to be realistic and fair we'll be critical um, around some of the mistakes that are being made but the hand they're being dealt at the moment is is a very difficult one and they, it's yeah. hard to get any sort of cohesion. Yeah. Just the last few there. So Liam Sweeney, young players are starting to shine and improve every game. Crowley is showing some class and currently the better 10 at the moment. Edward Malloy, maybe Munster have to be allowed this season as time when older players are replaced by the younger lads. It's obvious the older lads... It's obviously the older lads are wrecked from years of effort, but still have a lot to offer, but only in backup roles from now. Uh, results at the minute are not great, but there's a good Munster team there for the, for the next few years from Donegal. Good back five, talented halfbacks and back three players, however, they will win nothing without a front row. And a centre combo seems the two positions Munster never produced in. It was a close match. Disappointed we didn't get the win. Crowley played great once again. I feel if we had our lineup working properly, we could have done it. Roll on the next match and upward, uh, onwards and upwards. Um, great atmosphere at the park. First half mall defense was very poor. Small errors in our thought process cost us. Crowley played fantastic, although with the wind in the second half, 
Not sure why we did not see Healy. Optimistic, but we need wins. Um, Simon is a, a little bit um, optimistic. Good performance from a young Munster team versus a good Ulster team. Serious bright future ahead. Crowley, Hodnett, Dogbo, Kandel and Barron and Daly. Probably no Chanton's Cup next year, but I take that for a proper contender the year after. I think we might be a bit away from that. Um, another positive step on the journey. Munster paid the penalty for too many basic infringements and really poor ex- execution at the line-out. It has to go down as an average game. We could have won. And here's the thing. There's been a couple of those ones that, you know, the Dragons game and, you know, Connacht maybe and and the Ulster game where I felt like that we could have won those games and maybe previous years, those experienced players would have kind of dragged everybody else through, if that makes sense. And I just think at the moment, you're not, we're not far off things clicking. You can see it. You can see the intent. I was at the game the other day. I thought there was loads of really good stuff. But it's like, it's a bit like in soccer where you look at that last pass, that crucial piece of, you know, that last third. It's almost like the last pop, the last rock, the last, you know, in that power zone we just seem to be kind of either losing concentration or maybe getting ahead of ourselves and thinking way too far ahead as opposed to just, you know, thinking in that moment, which I think has just probably been the most frustrating part. Is that down to experience? And, yeah, I think it is. And form yeah. some players as well. Yeah, hugely. Look, I think, I think a couple of things. I was really surprised that when we went into the scoring zone, ultra scoring zone, like our 22, that... We just didn't have a simplistic banker ball for a line out. I think there was a lot, way too much movement. And I don't know a huge amount, but that was kind of my thought process when I when I was looking at it live. I was like, what's with all the movement? Like, just go up and, and let's try and get something simple. You might be able to tell me that that's a complete another, like, you know, nonsense. No, I think, but... I, yeah, that's a confidence thing as well. Um, I think there was one line out in that first half where Munster kicked down into the corner. It was inside the 22 and... Totally mistimed jump. Uh, throw was poor from Dermot Barn, and ball goes out over the back. And yeah. you've got to build pressure in those moments. And yeah, it's it's a harsh lesson, even you know from being a coach when you're reviewing this stuff and you're showing it to players, and they're better the next time. So, like it's it's kind of unfair. It's 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 not just just if you if you that you have to go through this. I think they need to be better at this. They need to be sharper. And it's tough on Andy Kiriakou when there's a lot of guys coming in and out. You've limited game time during the week to work on these lineouts and get them right. Um, there has to be an understanding and you develop an understanding around your lineout. And I've always said this when we played, our, uh, you know, we had so many lineout leaders in the group. Um, you think if Paul O'Connell and Donnick O'Callaghan didn't play, uh, well, Dunners didn't call the lineouts anyway. He was just told where to go and when to when to jump and how to jump, and he was brilliant at that. And he won't mind me saying, you know, he wasn't someone who was going to be calling lineouts. Uh, but Paul, then you had Mick O'Driscoll, you had Dunnick Ryan coming through, Billy had, Holland, yeah, um, a number of players, and you have those lineout leaders. You have to, and and obviously, if you've loads of depth in in lineout leaders, it, it's beneficial. But also your back row players. You know, there was a lot of times David Wallace would be standing at the back of the lineup with his hands and his hips and he'd supposed to lift me or lift Dennis Leamy or Axel or someone and there'd be a missed line-out throw and Paul would go absolutely furious. So it takes time to develop that. Yeah. And it, it, to get to a point where you 
everyone's on the same hymn sheet and you actually nearly know where your the ball is going to be called in the lineup when you go into it because you can nearly start seeing where the space is and you can you can react to what your caller is going to do. So I think obviously that comes with experience and um, yeah. they're lacking that at the moment and it's costly because there's a number of lineouts and we'll talk about the stats and review the seven matches uh, so far in the league in a couple of minutes, but it's very, very costly. Yeah, look, hugely. I think if we're going to start talking about the game now, it's, you know, I feel like, I feel like that Munster, it's like Ulster had three attempts into like they had five attempts into the attack, into Munster twenty two overall, but they had three were like the first three attempts and they had three tries, I think. And that's a an incredibly frustrating stat considering that last weekend we had the ability to keep Leinster out for very long periods on both sides of the half. Um, and I just think the Mall D last weekend just goes it just it just you know what it was, it just showed the inexperience of the group. Like well, Munster pride themselves on their defensive mode. Yeah, but it also shows, and we have to give credit to Ulster here. Oh yeah, I know, they had really good. Yeah. I know. Um. Uh. I know there's one or one or two sneaky Ulster fans listening here to the podcast as well, but and they're very welcome. Um. Ulster were good. Their mall has yeah, been superb were. this year. They've scored a lot of tries. They've caused problems for all the teams they've played with their mall. So it had that inevitability about it. When oh mm. God, they've got a, a penalty outside of twenty two. And Burns is kicking into the corner. You're thinking this is trouble for 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 Munster. I think Klein and Thomas Ahern are a big loss there, particularly yeah. Klein because that's one of his big strengths is breaking up malls and his his physicality. Um, and Munster were a little bit high. They stopped it a couple of times for the James Hume try. They stopped them and they stopped a couple in the second half. But their reaction needs to be quicker. They need to be a little bit cuter how they break up the opposition mall. But credit credit to Ulster. They're very, very yeah. strong in there. I just want to read one out from John Sexton. This is this is um this is a bigger picture one about the financial side of 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 the possibility of not making Europe. I think Munster need to go on a run. Um, and we'll talk about the games they have coming up. They need a little bit of luck with some of the players, but again, that's you know, John Klein. Thomas Ahern are out for a, a period of time now. Thomas Ahern is probably he's getting an operation. I think could be could be a couple of months. But anyway, John Sexton asks off-field question. Since it's unlikely we're going to qualify for the Champions Cup, that's a fair comment. Uh, barring a small miracle, with only two uh, wins from seven and some very tough games left, with the finances in a tough position already with COVID, um, how will this financially affect Monster retaining players? with long-term planning, presuming Munster will have budgeted for this scenario. Not sure you can have budgeted for this scenario. Everybody was under pressure coming out of COVID. How will this affect Graham Rowntree, his reign going forward? Do you think he'll be afforded time um, if they don't qualify for Europe? So will it be kind of a a red line scenario here if, if they don't qualify? So how does this affect the coaches, Graham Rowntree, and how does it affect uh, Munster financially? Not easy on both fronts. No, it's not. The financial ramifications will be huge if they don't make Europe. Um, but on the flip of that, when you are going with a really young group, do you forsake that financial ramification knowing that, you know, if you end up going into the Challenge Cup and you win it, does that does that fill you with a bit of confidence because you've got your hands on some silverware? I don't know. I think the tradition of Munster being in that Champions Cup 
the old Heineken Cup is is huge and it's what they live off. And I think, um, you know, you, you used to speak about it a lot, your era used to speak about it, this era speaks about it a lot, that on Heineken Cup or Champions Cup week, there's a different air training, there's there's different intensity, there's, um, and if you're not there, do you lose that? Uh, look, it's, it's a very difficult predicament. I think that for them right now, this is going to sound really cliche, but they just got to think about next game scenarios. So Connacht is the next game up. How do they, you know, they welcome Thorne Park. How do they get the best out of that? How do they keep getting better and developing? And then probably at the end of the season or after Christmas, when you know where you stand in terms of results, then you can start looking down the road. But look, the financial ramifications will be huge. I think it's something for post-Christmas, I think, uh, or even... Yeah. You know, January. And there was February, a lot of chat, to be of, fair, in the stand about it the other day, Quinny. You know, there was you know, a lot pe- of chat. People are, are people are, are talking about that. You know, yeah. for Munster not being in Europe, but um, you know, Munster is a big brand, and sometimes um, people forget they haven't won a Munster a trophy in a long time, and that's. Uh, but it's still a big brand, and it's a big team, and the history in Europe. So I think, I think it'd be it'd be. You know, really, really tough situation if they don't get in there. Not just from the financial point of view; that's the obvious one. But just from a historic point of view, uh, the competition has been synonymous synonymous with Munster and and the whole journey and all that kind of stuff has been incredible. But you know, if they're in the Challenge Cup, then they've just got to deal with it. But that's a bit away. I think if they can, um, I saw an article where people were talking about judging fairly when everybody's back, and and that's probably fair. But it's a results-driven business, and they've got to get results. and And they don't play now for a couple of weeks. They're missing missing a lot of bulk and power. But uh, regarding Graham Rowntree and the coaches, well, I, I you can't you can't kind of judge the coaches on uh, and and start heaping pressure on them at the moment. No, I think it's this time it's next unfair. year that you look you yeah, look at where they are. And, and it's the way they're here. playing. It's the way yeah, they're the playing, way. and yeah, the, yeah. and you know they need to be for the time to get their own personnel, to get their own stamp, their own players on the in, in, in on the team as well. So, I think um, yeah, the obvious one is the financial stuff is going to be difficult, um, but but who knows? Just we we have you any more tweets, or will we move no, on? No, we'll move right, on. We'll move so on. we'll review the performance. So the first thing I've down here is the referee Frank Murphy. A lot of criticism yeah. online, some contentious decisions. Uh, Dwayne Vermeulen um, at the start of the game with Dermot Barron. Um, penalty against Dwayne Vermeulen. The images in the shot showed afterwards that he had uh, Dermot Barron caught by the throat and that his hand came across his face. I don't think there's any eye gouge there, but I think it's very dangerous uh, when he's gra- grabbing uh, Dermot Barron like that. So I, I'm not suggesting for a second that you know he eye gouged him. Very risky and dangerous, and um, uh, could have and probably should have got a, a stern warning about that. And it should have been kind of maybe looked at. The crowd are reacting a bit. People at home um, mention it a lot online. It's not an eye gouge, but there's a hand across the face, and he's got to be careful. I was more concerned that he has him grabbed by the throat. Um, mm. But in Dwayne Vermeulen's defense, I think Dermot Barron is trying to be aggressive, he counter rocks through. Um, Vermeulen's trying to get up to defend and Dermot Barron is holding on to the jersey so there's a little bit of um, both both of them at it there um, but look it's 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 uh, it's one that I just think 
he should have been spoken to a little bit more strong. He was told to be careful by Frank Murphy, but he could have been in a bit of trouble. He's got to be careful there yeah. for Mullen. Uh, the red card, yellow card scenario on Malachi Fekatoa, he's, he's tackled. Um, was it a red card? Was I, I yellow, thought... Was yellow card the right decision? Was he lucky? I thought he was a bit lucky, yeah. I thought he... I think not, not so much in relation to the, the contact or whatever. I just think that the, the way the game has gone now, although I don't know if you saw the, the high tackle in top 14 that didn't warrant any cards the weekend, which was absolutely outrageous. Um, I do think he was kind of lucky because and I think what saved him was he kind of bent at the last second, but he's very upright and he tackles a lot like that. Um, he did. He had done it um, quite a bit in the game throughout before the card and I just think uh, he's got to be really careful um, about that going forward. But um, and that was a big moment as well. I thought um, a big moment for the for for Munster and yeah. Uh, what do so you if think? You're, if you're refereeing the game, are you giving yellow or red? jeez, uh, I don't know. Uh, I I think it was, I I think it was a red. I think it was yeah. contact to the head. It was shoulder to head. I yeah. think it was a red, and I've been I've been yeah. very big on this. And uh, some monster got away with one there. Um, Niall Scannell probably should have got a yellow card for being on his knees slapping the ball. Right in front of us. to get away with that. So Munster got away with a couple there. Yeah. I think the issue was, right, is that we're talking about, you know, inconsistencies. So I think that there were penalties. Give us examples, yeah. So there's penalties, like Munster got penalised for being offside. And then, you know, phases after that, you know, Ulster clearly offside for a number of phases and neither touch judge or... Um, Frank Murphy calls it, and and you can hear clearly hear you know Jack who saying to him, um, you know they're offside, they're offside, and it's almost like well, like play on. I think that's where the issue was lying with the supporters was those inconsistencies. Munster got pinged for um, going off their feet in their own ball in the ruck, and similarly inside their own twenty-two, um, Ulster are, are trying to exit their their you know, their zone, and their players are have elbows on the ground. And you can see, you know, the, the lads around the rock kind of pointing at the players on the ground and saying, you know, they're off their feet too. And you either give both or you give none. And I think if you give both, then nobody can have, you know, any issues because it's it's literally like that referee has been consistent. It was those type of inconsistencies I felt that Frank Murphy, and, I, and, and we were speaking about this afterwards, I think it's incredibly difficult. It should never happen to have, for likes of Frank Murphy or Andy Brace, or anybody that's attached to the, to the province to referee these games, I think it's unfair. I think the, the supporters come down harder on them. I think, you know, it's it's tough. And, like, Frank Murphy's boot coming off the pitch, and I and I, I don't like that. I don't like that. But I could... You're just putting them in a very unfair, uncompromising position. But I, I did think there was definitely inconsistencies in the calls. I think that's where the issues lay, as opposed to the big Dara Barron incident or the Fekato incident. I, I think if you go back and analyse them, yeah, definitely there's an argument. I think Dan McFarland will probably be sending in some some things that I think yeah, might have been fortunate with a couple of things. Yeah. But I think the the way this is heightened is because of the crowd noise and some of those offsides or, or midfield offsides that you can see where Munster were pulled for a couple. I think the assistant referees need to help him more there and make yeah. those calls. There was definitely one, uh, was it Fekatoa that was offside and he got pulled for it? Um, 
or Jack, uh, Shane Daly. Um, so I think there's um, the, he needs to get more help there. But so yeah, there's there's uh, Frank Murphy got some criticism there. I think some of it is a little bit unfair. I think there's one or two decisions that um, you know could have went the other way for definite. But I think I just think got... you're putting them in a really difficult position because they like you know they you play for the province and it's it's very tough. They're an Irish referee. You're refereeing an Irish derby. I just think that that's a really difficult thing to do. So I just think you take all that away by make the URC should, you know, should be putting referees from outside of Ireland into those derby games. Yeah, it's difficult to get them in that situation as well. But yeah, that's that's something that maybe um, maybe Frank didn't need to be getting and certainly doesn't deserve to get abuse coming off the field. You you know, it's frustrating yeah, for fans like and... I don't like to see that either. It's a tough job being a referee. You need eyes in the back of your head to see stuff that's going on. But I think he needs more, more support. Andy Brace, I think, called one in the in the first half, but probably a little bit more support from from the other assistant as well, um, and try and work together as a unit. Um, the positives, um, positives from the game. So quickly because we we've. Uh, yeah, Jim Brown making line breaks. John Ryan making line breaks. Jack Crowley played really, really well. I think um, there was. I thought Mike Haley was really, really good, really solid. Um, and I just think that the way that Munster tried to play, um, we can talk about the lack of execution and we can talk about the mistakes down the line. But in terms of where they're going and what they're trying to do, constant trying to move the ball, they're looking to get the edges, um, and. They're looking to pull defenders out of the line and and you know be able to move the ball into those spaces. And I just thought at times they did really well. Thought they defended quite well. Um, it's just going back to the old age, discipline I, and yeah, lack I of think, execution. I think if once were to win that game, particularly with the second half performance, it would be seen as a massive step forward because I think the way they played in the second half, Ulster didn't really fire a shot as regards their attack. And I think they'd have been disappointed with that. Um, Stephen Ferris on Premier were taught, was talking about that. I thought it was pretty telling. He was disappointed with the, that Ulster didn't kick on. They were in a great position after the first half. If Doak gets the There was a big window. Can I just say something right? There was a big wind. It might not have shown it on television. No, no, but it I, was, know, I know that. It was pretty I know big. That. I know that. And uh, they tried to manage the game a little bit more than go for it. They're yeah. trying to keep it very direct. But look, they showed that strength and power in the first half and could have been further ahead. I think the positive that you're mentioning is the reaction by Munster in the second half. The the try they scored, Shane Daly tried, that attack, some of the other shape that they're showing is a lot better. Um, so look, I think Munster people would, would applaud that and say that mm. that's something to, can we just, to give a bit of enthusiasm. You know, can I just say something in relation to that? So if you look at all those top teams or whatever, when they make these kind of small little line breaks and they're getting past the defensive line, then they have the ability to be able to score within the next three, four, five phases. Munster are actually doing really well in between the two tens, but their ability then, once they make a line break, for whatever reason, maybe that's another component that they have to put together, but that they make that line break pay, like they have to make be be more aware of where the space is straight after a line break, their ability to maybe to move the ball a little bit quicker. I thought Paddy Patterson did really well, but they had a good few, like a couple of line break breaks. Obviously, John Ryan won, Dara Barron won, but the next phase then is quick, but then the next one after that is slow. And, you know, the better teams make 
you know, line breaks pay. And um, I think that that's definitely a component for Munster's attack that they need to look at. That, that's a really good point. Yeah, a really good point. The negatives, Neve, uh, quickly, we won't dwell on them. I think obviously. Yeah, penalty um, count line out. Penalty count line out, the defensive mall, and some of the errors again. Yeah. Um, need to be much better better in those areas. Um, I think if I'm going to review the last couple of matches, we're talking about some of the negatives. And this this is something that's frustrating, but we have to be honest and, and, and sum up where Munster are at. They gave away 15 penalties in this game again, which is it's very, very, very difficult that you see, uh, and rarely you see a team winning a match when they give away those kind of number of penalties. Yeah. Um, some of them, of course, you could argue. You always can argue some penalties in games. Ulster gave away 13, so there was 28 penalties. It was a high penalty count in the game. It's very soft, sir, yeah. Conditions were difficult. But just you go back in, seven ma- in the seven matches a Munster played in the league, tries scored, 13 tries. So they're 16th. They're bottom of the table as regards, as regards tries scored. So that's pretty telling. Uh, and frustrating. So you just mentioned it a minute ago. It's, it's there's 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 a lot of good stuff happening, but it's that finished article, and maybe it will come. And of course, fifty five players used, a lot of chopping and changing, but some of the execution has been poor, particularly in the earlier matches. Okay, mm. the last couple it's been a lot better, and it's obviously very difficult to score tries against. Leinster, even though uh, Liam Coombs got a great try to score against Ulster, to, you know, um, to score lots of tries. So I'm, but it's pretty telling. It's something that Munster were really good at in the last number of years. Tries, points scored, and points conceded. They were right up at near the top all the time. So they're very hard to break down, and they were pretty good at scoring tries. So that's pretty telling. Uh, so they're 16th. They've only 13 tries scored. Well, when you're only winning two games as well, it's not not a surprise that yeah. they're down there. Offloads in the seven games, they've 63. So they're second yeah. in offloads. So that's shown us a certain thing. That's where the, some of the enthusiasm is coming from. If this was the monster of last year and the year before and the year before, there's no way we'd have 63 offloads and be second in, 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 in the offload stats in the league. Now, some would say it doesn't matter because you're not winning the games and who cares about offloads. But I just think it's pretty positive that they're trying to keep the ball alive. Um, defenders beaten, 98. They're tenting that. It's too It's too low. They need to be up a little yeah. bit higher. And this is a, this is a frustrating one as well. Um, clean breaks. They have 18 clean breaks in the, seven, uh, in the seven matches and they're 16th. They're bottom of the yeah. ball in that again. So it just shows there's a lot more work to be done in the attack. I think there's a lot of good stuff that's been done and I think the shape has been really, really good but it's just broke down a little bit. Um, then if you move on, that's attack. If you move on to defence, uh, so points conceded, they're actually 14th, so 127. So defensively, they're not conceding a lot of points to be fair to them. So that would suggest that there's something to work on there. Um Tries, tries conceded as well, 17, they're 12th. So these are positives, I think, the defensive stuff and the work rate. And we haven't, to be fair, the effort level and, and the desire has been fairly good. There's been one or two matches we've questioned that kind of, that fight and that emotional kind of 
spark that you need. It's been much better in the last three games anyway, I think. Um, tackle success. I think this comes back to missed tackles. It's 87% or 13. So completing tackles and um, is a bit frustrating. Total, total tackles missed. So this is, I'm giving some positives about what they've conceded uh, as regards points and tries, but then total tackles missed is 154. So they're first. So they've missed the most amount of tackles in the league. So um, is that coming from the pressure from the opposition, the quality of the opposition, the number of players missing, the number of changes? Um, that needs to change. So there's a number of things there. Lineouts, uh, 14th, 71 lineouts, one, and 19 lost. So they're third in lost lineouts. And that's one that we've spoken about a lot. Yeah. That set piece, how important it is. Um. So there's, there's a number of things there that are concerning that need to get better, that have got it slightly better. I think the earlier games kind of showed up a lot of that. Um, penalties conceded, even though we keep saying they're very high. Well, they're 16th. So <laughs> there's 15 other teams conceding more penalties, uh, which is unbelievable. So um, they've 86 penalties conceded. It's still very, very high. And 15 in the weekend is, is a lot. Um, turning the ball over is another one that kind of we've we've spoken a little bit about. I know I'm throwing a lot of um, turnouts lost, 84. So they're fourth in turnovers lost. Mm -hmm. So I think if we su summarize that, I think um, the missed tackles, the turnovers, and the line out are the three that jump out for me. Yeah. If you get them better, well, in a lot of these games, they could be nudging over the line and winning those matches. You think if, you, if you're not turning the ball over against Ulster a couple of times like they did, i.e. the line-out, some breakdown stuff, uh, knock-ons, execution, they, they possibly win that game. There was a big win in that first half. Ulster showed a lot of dominance with their power in the mall. But Munster probably win that game if their discipline is better, if their line-out is better. Yeah, look, because if your discipline is better, you're 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 denying um, opposition teams entry points, and I think that's the big thing for Munster. I think that they teams find it easier to get into Munster's scoring zone or twenty two with then then say Munster, the likes of Munster find you know are, are the complete opposite. They have to work really really hard to try and get into scoring positions. They get in there, and then we're talking about execution. And, that, and that's it. Like, the, the, that's what you're yeah. saying. Eve. So, the, like, if, if if we won't stay in this too long, but it's the try scored, it's the discipline, it's the line outs and the turnovers. You get them better. So, you said it a minute ago, and I thought it was a brilliant point from a coach's point of view that you're doing really good for two, three, four phases. You get into a space where you find a little bit of space. You're stressing the opposition. You've got to execute then and score the try. So, yeah. Um, you know, but look, it's been difficult. I think that with respect to to Cardiff, Dragons, Connacht, they were the three that were really, really disappointed. And the second half against Zebra. So there's four games there that your try count should be should be a bit better, yeah. should be yeah. higher. Um, so there that's a summation of of really the, the first seven games as regards the coaches will look at this, they'll know this stuff too. But I think in the next block. These are areas that they've really got to 
get better at. Even if they don't have players back, the younger players coming through, I think in the next couple of weeks, they've got to show them these pitchers. Uh, and I'm, I'm sure the show coaches have been, but there's a little bit of time now to review the block, mm-hmm. take some positives out of it, but be aware of, of, of issues and situations that, that need to be a lot better. We've got to move on. Start of the week, um, hard again. You know, this start of the week situation that we've come up with this year, we wanted to, <laughs> when you're losing five games, it's it's hard. Um, who's your star of the week? You mentioned a couple of players there of, who had really Yeah, look, good I think definitely, definitely noble cause, I think, needs to go to, to John Ryan. I think he uh, just coming back in, played really well, I thought. Um, and because he's also gone up so far away to the opposite end of the spectrum that he would have been used to playing with Munster, considering that. You know, it was a lot of kick chase last year. Um, I thought Jack Crowley was really good again. You can really start to see him come into himself a lot more. He is aggressive as I love. He barks. He barks. And I like that. I like the fact that he's he's um, he's directing them around the pitch. But we've had a really good conversation off air. And I think, you're, you know, you're dead right. I think we've got to go with Edwin Adopo this week. I thought came up with some really big turnover moments. Um, somebody who, as you said, wasn't supposed to play because there was a question mark over his injury fitness and his fitness. Um, but he was good. He was good. he was really really good. He's a huge big presence, and I love the fact that he didn't shy away from the uh, from Vermeulen when um, when he was after uh, Baron. He was the first one that went over, and it was almost a case of like the gentle giant coming in just trying to separate them up. He, he was so calm and. And I love that. Um, so yeah, look, I think I think he's had a really good first block, and uh, I think we, you know, we need to get excited about players like him, and hopefully, can keep pushing on. So your star of the week officially is Edwin Edagbo. Right. Okay. He deserves it. Yeah, he was brilliant. Yeah. Um, and I, I like the way. Look, there was a few other big performances. Crowley, Dermot Barn, I think, has really kind of yeah. stepped up a little bit as well. He's explosive um, too. I like him, man. He it's the way the game is going. I, I think um and I and it's funny, I don't think the line out are just down to the hooker. I think there's loads of cogs to it and but I do think that um he's putting a lot of pressure on that scanner for sure. Okay. Um we're nearly done. Ireland South Africa. Um two thousand seventeen Ireland beat the last time they played, beat South Africa thirty eight three in Dublin. Um, it probably sparked the the change in, in Rassi Erasmus, Jack Nienenberg going back to South Africa that result, people were writing them off saying that they're finished um, they were humiliated in Dublin, they went on to win a World Cup in 2000 uh, less than two years later, probably just around two years later um, how important is this game and uh, does it really matter, they're in our pool next year in the World Cup, does it really matter uh, we won't go into it too much because we we'll have the South Africa team later on, but um, and who plays for Munster? Does Peter O'Mahony play? Does uh, Ty Ty Byrne play? Are they the only two Munster players that'll start? Most probably. Yeah, look, I think so. I think uh, I think it's a good game. I think it's going to be a really good um, you know insight for how Ireland deal with the physicality of of South Africa. It's totally different to New Zealand, say, or in Australia, and um, and you know. They'll be going after certain things. They tick those boxes. They're you know they're going to be full of confidence heading into um that World Cup group next year, and it's it's all geared towards that. I think I think Andy Farrell has been so smart in how well he's gone about business over the last twelve uh fifteen months. I think it's it's been really really good. And 
Um, yeah, look, I think uh, I think it is Peter Mahoney and Ty Brown as uh, our only two starters. Um, I I would have been interested to see if Craig Casey, uh, you know, he, you know, he's carrying an injury going into that camp, and um, if he's fully fit, is it him or Conor Murray on the bench uh, backing up Gibson Park, who, by the way, hasn't played yet this season? So does Craig Casey start? Does because so lots of things there for sure for for us to delve into, but um. I think this is going to be a brilliant test of where this Irish pack are. Yeah, it's a great opportunity. I think um, obviously it's a, it's you know they're a powerhouse powerhouses, and will be interesting to see how Ireland cope with that. Ireland were brilliant, obviously in New Zealand, so uh, two two great sides. Um, it won't make any difference because history will tell us what happened the last time. But South Africa won't want to come to Dublin and certainly lose the match at all. But that scoreline was incredible. Um, I'm interested in see how Gavin Coombs goes, Jeremy Lockman, uh, possibly Roman Salano as well. Will he get a start? Shane Daly, Jack Crowley, Dermot Barn. The opportunity they have at the weekend when they play play New Zealand on Friday night. Um, it is a brilliant, a brilliant chance for them to. Um, and someone like Gavin Coombs, I think this could be could be a really important couple of weeks to 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 really kind of make a a name for himself at this level. Um, I think he has all the credentials to be a top-class international player. He probably needs to be more... If there's any criticism, he needs to be more involved and a little bit more aggression at times. He's a brilliant footballer um, and just needs to be on it more often in the games. Um, you look at Doris, who I think is the is an incredible player um, at six or eight, but just he's continuously getting his hands on the ball, doing things, brilliant defensively. Um, Coombs has the opportunity to do that and, and been in around the Irish squad again. He was on tour in New Zealand. So it's a great opportunity for those guys in the next couple of weeks, I think. You know, obviously Dave Kilcoyne, um, he's back from an injury uh in a tough situation, Monster. Um, he'll be trying to get himself back into that mix again. Uh, so it'll be an interesting couple of weeks with the particularly with the 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 internationals. Uh we probably won't have that. That's just a reality. Maybe two players, three players um, involved in, in the senior side. Uh, but the A game is a great opportunity on Friday yeah. night to to see what where those young players can go and, and what kind of a name they can make. We're nearly done. Uh, we didn't mention it last week because we didn't know at the time. Kieran McDonald from Glasgow. Um, he's born in Glasgow, played with Glasgow. His situation with Wasps, obviously, is like John Ryan, ended. Munster have signed him short term. Um, he's six foot eight, 120 kilos. He's a big man, warmed up with the team on Saturday. Um, and he'll certainly help. Thomas Ahern is going to be out for a number of months. That's why this has happened. And I just think the injuries, um, and we've spoken about it a lot, have really hurt this team. Um, yeah. They've hurt the coaches as well. It's made it very frustrating. Frustrating. We haven't seen any event on Frisch either, um, which they need him back too. So, Thomas Ahern been out for a number of months. Yeah, it's huge. Very difficult. I feel really sorry for him because he felt like he was just about to explode. And you talk about bolters for the World Cup. You know, in my mind, I was like, maybe not. But you could always think maybe you have Thomas Ahern or an Edwin Adogbo could, could sneak in there if they're going as well as they are. But um, yeah, look, really tough for him, a young player. But Jeannie Mack, I was uh, saw Kieran McDonald warming up. He is monstrous. He is very big man. And... Um, so look, 
I, I, I don't know a huge amount about him in relation to his ability to play, but um, he's going to be big, he's going to be physical, kind of like a Jason Jenkins type. We've seen how that has went for Leinster um, when he's got back fit, uh, something that Munster fans probably find it difficult to, to, to watch. But uh, yeah, look, I think... I think it's just been they've been really unfortunate with their with the injuries and and the positions of them. So, um, let's hopefully look. He might he might be a good signing, and maybe they might be able to hold on to him for till the end of the season if they need to. Yeah, um, and obviously we they Munster don't play until the twenty sixth against Connacht, who have a a pretty strong a pretty strong side coming down after those internationals. Bundyaki will probably be back with them, and you know their international guys. You know, will they play against Australia? It's unlikely. So they'll have a very strong side. And then Munster away to Edinburgh. So the first block, Neve, we're done uh, of matches. And it's been a poor return. We can't get away from the fact that there's there's plenty of mitigation there and there's plenty of injuries and excuses. But it's been really, really disappointing. I think it's really disappointing. I think there's two or three games in there that Munster should have won, didn't win. And it could come back to really hurt him at the end of the season. But it is what it is. I think we'll try and focus on the positives as much as we can. Yeah. And I think maybe for the future, I think there's young players here getting exposure that they may not have got, possibly should have got. And I've said yeah. this before about Jack Crowley. If he was in Leinster, he'd probably have 50 or 60 caps now for, for Munster. He doesn't have it. Um, but it is what it is. It's been a disappointing start. That's it for episode 43 of the Red 78. Make sure you get your podcast straight to your phone every week. Just search the Red 78. And don't forget to get in touch with your thoughts. We'll be back next week, obviously, and we'll talk about the international or any other news in Munster. Uh, We might try and get a guest or two on as well in the next couple of weeks if we can. Uh, So don't forget to get in touch with your thoughts. And uh, you can tweet us at our our own personal Twitter account or you can leave a... Tweet the rugby ch- at rugby channel 15 or search the rugby channel on YouTube and leave a comment. Um, so that's it. Uh, talk to you next weekend, Neve. Enjoy, uh, enjoy the weekend's rugby, but please don't enjoy Spurs and Liverpool on Sunday. <laughs> we're, we're in a dreadful state, and oh, I'm, we're not I'm, much I'm, better. I'm not listening to you next against. week. Will we, we take a draw? Will yeah. we shake hands we, on a draw? We, on we, Sunday? Should, we will, we will. Okay. Thanks for being Queen. Cheers, thanks. The Red 78 with Alan Quinlan and Neil Briggs. Nobody knows Monster Rugby better. I'd like to think I know a lot.